Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Yacht Talk Hacking the Boards. I'm Yakov, And I'm Ben. And welcome to episode 38. As promised, this episode is going to delve deep into concepts that are important to critical care medicine. We would highly recommend listening to our shock lecture in addition to this one to get a full picture of how the test gets at the critically ill patient. We're going to start with an approach to hypoxemia, then everything you need to know about ventilators and ARDS for the exam. Let's jump in. All right. So for our first case, we have a 35-year-old healthy female who lives in the Grand Canyon, and she goes to Colorado for a business trip. The next day, she develops headache, fatigue, nausea, dizziness, and dyspnea. Vitals show a respiratory rate of 20 and an SpO2 of 90% on room air. Exam is normal. What is the likely cause of our patient's hypoxia? So it sounds like this patient is suffering from altitude sickness. What is that and how does it cause hypoxia? So due to the gas laws we all had to learn once upon a time in physics, higher altitudes such as those in Colorado have air with a lower inspired O2, aka PiO2. Chemoreceptors sense the resulting hypoxemia, as in decreased arterial O2, and trigger hyperventilation, leading to a respiratory alkalosis. This cycles back and actually inhibits hyperventilation, leaving the patient unable to relieve the alkalosis until the kidneys compensate over the next 72 hours or so. The resulting hypoxia and alkalosis result in the classic symptoms of fatigue, nausea, headache, and dyspnea. And what do we give the patient to quicken this process? We would give acetazolamide, which induces bicarb excretion, leading to faster compensation and normalization of pH and O2. And what complication of altitude sickness are we preventing when we treat our patient? We want to avoid high-altitude pulmonary edema, abbreviated HAPE, or H-A-P-E, which can result from hypoxic vasoconstriction in predisposed individuals. They will often present with a picture easily confused for multifocal pneumonia, as in hypoxia, leukocytosis, fever, and patchy lung sounds. However, unlike pneumonia, HAPE will rapidly resolve with administration of supplemental oxygen. Okay, now that we've taken good care of this patient with acetazolamide, let's zoom out. You mentioned that this patient's hypoxemia was caused by reduced PiO2. What are the three other general causes of hypoxemia? That would be hypoventilation, diffusion limitation, and ventilation perfusion mismatch, aka VQ mismatch. Before we dive into each, what's a good test to help differentiate them when the cause isn't immediately clear? That would be checking an alveolar arterial or AA gradient, because if the cause of hypoxemia is from reduced PiO2 or hypoventilation, then the AA gradient should be normal. But with diffusion limitation or VQ mismatch, the AA gradient will be elevated. Perfect. Now let's go one by one. We already spoke about reduced PiO2, which is from high altitude. What are some causes of hypoventilation? So we spoke about a few of these in our episode on restrictive lung diseases, and those include obesity and neuromuscular diseases like ALS or myasthenia gravis. The big one test writers like for hypoventilation is decreased respiratory drive, usually signified by a low respiratory rate in a patient overdose on opioids and or sedatives. And what are some other signs that hypoventilation is the cause of a patient's hypoxemia? The patient will typically be hypercapnic with a respiratory acidosis on arterial blood gas. Note that they will often omit the respiratory rate to not give away the answer. Okay, now let's talk about diffusion limitation. What are the main causes there? 
That would be any form of interstitial lung disease, such as idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis and emphysema. That one was easy. Let's talk about the toughest one, VQ mismatch. What exactly is that? VQ mismatch is when there is either an area of the lungs with decreased ventilation, as in less air getting to the alveoli, or decreased perfusion, as in blood isn't getting into the capillaries. In either case, oxygen isn't being effectively exchanged. What do we call the two types of VQ mismatch, and what are some examples? So a shunt is when there is no ventilation, but perfusion is fine, so the deoxygenated blood never gets oxygen from air. Lobar pneumonia is the classic example, since the fluid and inflammatory debris fills the affected alveoli. Dead space ventilation, on the other hand, is when there is no perfusion to an area, and the classic example there is a PE, which blocks distal blood flow. And what is true of large shunts or large dead space that differentiates them from the other causes of hypoxemia? Unlike with other causes of hypoxemia, a large shunt, such as from diffuse pulmonary edema or large dead space ventilation, such as from a massive PE, giving supplemental oxygen will not correct the patient's hypoxemia or hypoxia. Great. Thanks for guiding us through the complexities of hypoxemia. Now we can all take a deep breath and move on. So for our next case, we have a 70-year-old female with a past medical history of HEF-REF who's coming in with respiratory distress. Her pulse is 110, respirations are 30, and her SpO2 is 88% even on non-rebreather at 15 liters per minute. The patient is awake but can barely speak with an audible S3 and diffuse crackles on exam. Ben, what's causing this patient's severe hypoxia and what's our next step in managing her oxygen? So this patient is having a severe heart failure exacerbation resulting in diffuse pulmonary edema. Since she is still poorly oxygenated despite applying a non-rebreather, we would need to start non-invasive positive pressure ventilation or NIPPV. So what is NIPPV and how does it help our patient? NIPPV includes high flow oxygen, CPAP, and BiPAP, which all supply high levels of FiO2 and varying degrees of positive end expiratory pressure, abbreviated PEEP. Giving this extra pressure keeps the alveoli from collapsing and decreases both right and left ventricular preload and afterload. So let's say we put our patient on CPAP and her oxygen still doesn't improve and her respiratory distress is worsening. What's our next step? Unfortunately, we would have to intubate her and begin mechanical ventilation. Exactly. So let's say we do so, and immediately afterwards, her left lung sounds are markedly decreased. What happened and what should we do? So it sounds like the endotracheal tube was put into the right bronchus, leading to hypoventilation of the left lung. So we need to reposition the tube so both lungs are ventilated. Perfect. And that's exactly what we do. We start the vent on assist control mode with a respiratory rate of 17, a tidal volume of 450, an FiO2 of 50%, and a PEEP of 5. That was a lot. Can you walk us through what those vent settings mean? Sure. So the assist control mode means that the tidal volume is fixed and will be given at a set time interval or when the patient starts a spontaneous breath. FiO2 and PEEP can always be set on the vent regardless of the main setting. Great. And luckily, the exact settings aren't necessary to know for the exam. What they do want us to know is when to change the different parameters based on the patient's ABG results. So let's say this patient's ABG shows a pH of 7.5, a pCO2 of 24, and a PO2 of 70. 
how would you change the vent parameters? So this ABG is showing a respiratory alkalosis since her pH is elevated and her CO2 is low. We would want to decrease her respiratory rate, which would decrease her minute ventilation and therefore normalize her CO2. Great. What if instead a patient's ABG shows a CO2 of 57 and a pH of 7.2? Then they would have a respiratory acidosis, likely from hypoventilation, and we want to increase the respiratory rate. Great. What's the other parameter we could change, and why don't we change that one instead of changing the respiratory rate? Great question. Since minute ventilation is a product of tidal volume and respiratory rate, you could also change the tidal volume to change CO2. However, changing the respiratory rate is preferred because high tidal volumes increase risk of barotrauma to the lungs. Perfect. Definitely want to avoid blowing up a lung. It doesn't sound pleasant. What about our patient's oxygen levels? The trick with oxygen on a ventilator is avoiding extremes of oxygen. So making sure the PO2 stays between about 60 to 100. If it's in this range, then no changes need to be made. If the patient becomes hypoxemic, then you have two options. You can either increase the FiO2 or increase PEEP. Nice. Why do you want to avoid increasing either of those too much? So increased PEEP, like increased tidal volume, can result in barotrauma at high levels. And high FiO2 can lead to hyperoxygenation and oxygen toxicity, which is potentially fatal. That's also why you want to decrease the FiO2 if the patient's PO2 is above 100. Now that we've set up our patient for successful ventilation, let's say she's mechanically ventilated for three days with progressive improvement. She's able to nod her head and follow commands. Her FiO2 has been reduced to 20%, and her ABG shows a pH of 7.42 a PO2 of 80, and a PCO2 of 38. What's our next step? So now we want to try a spontaneous breathing trial to see if the patient can come off the ventilator. Our patient is demonstrating the three important signs of readiness for extubation, a pH above 7.25, adequate oxygenation with FiO2 less than 40, and mental alertness. Perfect. And if the breathing trial goes well, they can extubate her. Now let's talk about a test favorite respiratory condition, which brings patients to the ICU all the time. Okay, so now we have a 40-year-old male who comes into the ED with high fever, rigors, and productive cough. He has started on IV antibiotics for community-acquired pneumonia, but 24 hours after admission, he starts feeling like he can't catch his breath. His respiratory rate is 35, and his SpO2 is 80% on a non-rebreather. Exam reveals severe respiratory distress and bilateral crackles. What is your short differential here, and what will we do next to help narrow it down? So this could be progression of his pneumonia illness, although that would be pretty rare given he's on antibiotics. It could also be sepsis, but we would need more information. This sounds most like acute respiratory distress syndrome or ARDS. Getting a chest x-ray will help us with that diagnosis. So we get a chest x-ray, which shows diffuse bilateral opacities. What is ARDS and how does this help with diagnosis? ARDS is essentially alveolar fluid overload and collapse as a result of either direct or indirect lung injury, leading to release of proteins and inflammatory cells. The classic imaging finding is whiteout lungs from diffuse pulmonary edema in the setting of hypoxia. Exactly. What would the cause of our patient's ARDS be, and what are some other causes test writers love to use? So our patient's pneumonia probably began the inflammatory process that led to ARDS. 
Other test favorites are aspiration, sepsis, and pancreatitis, and more rarely trauma. Regardless of cause, how do we diagnose a patient with ARDS? Though there isn't a specific test, there are three diagnostic criteria which support the diagnosis of ARDS. New bilateral alveolar opacities within one week of the suspected cause, pulmonary edema not from volume overload, and hypoxemia with a PaO2 to FiO2 ratio less than 300. That's high yield. Perfect. And we'll get back to that last one in a bit because it's so high yield. Now that there's all this fluid and proteinaceous junk in his alveoli, what pathophysiologic changes are leading to our patient's symptoms and hypoxia? Alveolar flooding and collapse lead to loss of surfactant and thus decrease lung compliance. You would also see a severe VQ mismatch, specifically a large intrapulmonary shunt. And you would see elevated pulmonary arterial pressure due to diffuse hypoxic vasoconstriction leading to right ventricular strain. Wow, sounds like a lot is going wrong. Why didn't the oxygen help, even though that normally improves hypoxemia due to a shunt? In the case of severe VQ mismatch, either diffuse dead space ventilation or shunting, supplemental oxygen won't be enough to overcome the extensive areas of mismatch. Right, that makes sense with what we were saying before. So what can and would we do for our patient? We would intubate and start mechanical ventilation. And what are some important considerations for ventilation in ARDS specifically? Most of the principles are the same, such as avoiding high FiO2 to avoid oxygen toxicity, but you want to also pay special attention to avoid using high tidal volumes. Since there are fewer functional alveoli, adding more tidal volume can overdistend them. This also means we might need to allow for some hypercapnia because we'd rather slightly hypoventilate the patient than explode their good alveoli. That sounds like a good plan. What if his ABG shows a PO2 of 50 and a pH of 7.42 with a tidal volume of 380, an FiO2 of 70%, and a PEEP of 5? Is there anything we should change? So as we mentioned in the last case, increasing PEEP or FiO2 will improve our patient's hypoxemia. In ARDS especially, we would want to increase PEEP since it opens up collapsed alveoli and improves lung compliance. And now getting back to our ARDS diagnosis, does this new information support it? Yes. Since our patient's PaO2 to FiO2 ratio is about 70, which is calculated by just dividing the PaO2 of 50 by the FiO2 of 0.7, since 70 is less than 300, we do meet the diagnostic requirement. And what if this patient's PO2 the next day is 108? Then we would want to reduce the FiO2 and keep the PEEP the same since it's always better to reduce FiO2. Perfect. What are some other considerations for treatment of ARDS? Of course, we would want to continue treating our patients' underlying disease, so the IV antibiotics in this case. Another huge aspect of care is avoiding a positive fluid balance, since this worsens pulmonary edema and thus mortality. Finally, you can add systemic steroids for moderate to severe ARDS. Definitely an intense disease and a very important one to know. Now that we're done venting about all these critical issues, go check out our next episode on lung masses and malignancies. 